As an American, there is no greater privilege and responsibility than choosing who will represent you and your family to determine the course of history, your lives, the economy, your health, your safety. On November 3rd, please choose to vote. To vote early or if you need an absentee or mail-in ballot, please visit vote.org. Your future self thanks you. This is Mouth Media Network. Amplify and connect. Hi, this is Peter Coleman, the announcer for Funny People Talking. My one wish is to have a DeLorean with a time machine in it. And I would use that DeLorean to get up to 88 miles an hour, go back in time, find my younger self when I was signing the contract to be the announcer for this show, kidnap myself, take myself forward in time, show myself what the show ended up being, then take myself back in time, then take a shovel and repeatedly hit my younger self over the head until I promise not to sign it. We'd probably stop at In-N-Out Burger along the way because, you know, so cool to drive through in a DeLorean. Maybe I should also go back in time and stop Hitler and the pandemic and the burning of the Library of Alexandria, that kind of thing. But also, definitely also... I'm getting the shovel. This is Funny People Talking. Hi, I'm Judy Gold, comedian, writer, actress, author, mother, Jew, lesbian. And I would rather be jerking off Donald Trump while Mike Pence eats out Karen in the corner, then listen to this podcast. Funny people talking. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Funny People Talking. I'm one of your hosts, Mark Rako, with me, of course, directly in front of me because I am staring at her on a screen. I've said that before, but <laughs> still true. And that is Dresden Engel. <laughs> hey, hey, my fellow co-host. Hey. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, 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 you know what's interesting? No. You know I've had the opportunity to meet a lot of stars in yeah. my day. Yeah. I might be suffering from a little fangirling. Oh, a little fangirling, but it's just yeah, me, yeah. Drez. Oh, you're not talking about me. More on our no, guest. Oh, soon yeah. you'll be introducing our guest for today. In a just a moment. All right, also with us, of course, our producer, Elsie. Hey, 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 Elsie. Hi. Hey. Wow. Two words just out of Elsie in a row. Well, you said but only, so but only one hey. Only one hay. Well, we'll take it. A single hay is fine. Here is why Dresden is fangirling. I'm even going to let Dresden introduce the guest because why not give her the full oh fangirl God. experience? Tell us okay. who is on the show. There are comedy legends. And not to go gender, but being a comedian, I refuse to use the word comedian because it's sexist. Oh, yay. She's nodding. I am a female comedian and we have limitations compared to our counterparts. So when I look out into the pool of not too many folks that I want to worship for their talents, uh, Judy Gold, the amazing Judy Gold is one of those. She's won Emmys for her comedy writing. She is an author. She is a genius. Her talent is amazing and she's authentic and Ladies and gentlemen, we have the Judy Gold with us today. Oh, that was, I can't live up to that. I can't live up to that. And I feel we should get this, we got to get this out of the way right away. Buy Judy's book. Yeah. Can you buy my book? Guys, I bought it. And it's hilarious and informative. And I, well, you know what? We're going to cover some specifics that I love okay. in the book. Yeah. So you Good. all will see what I mean. You will yeah. be convinced in a very short time. What, what is the name of the book, by the way, Judy? It's called Yes, I Can Say That When They Come for the Comedians, We're All in Trouble. And it's about free speech from the perspective of a comedian and censorship and the fact that we have to stop taking ourselves so fucking seriously. Okay? <laughs> Everything is not about you. 
That's right. <laughs> Isn't it? Yeah. Is, no? Okay. Well, anyway, uh, of course, Judy Gold, she is a well-known stand-up comedian, actress, television writer, producer, multi-daytime oh, Emmy Award winner for her work as a writer and producer on The Rosie O'Donnell Show, author, you know, I mean, just on and on and on and on and on. It, when you see her picture, you're listening to this right now, but if you look at her picture, you go, oh, yeah, I know who she is. It, it, ab- she hosted... Lots of television shows yes. that I watch. Yes. What is that? What is that self-deprecating thing you say about yourself in regard to all the TV shows you've hosted? Oh, I think it's on my website. What am I? I'm, the, I forgot. The co-host you don't know, or or the the guest star, uh, the ghost host. But in other words, the point is name a fabulous show from the view to Wendy Williams to beyond. And our fabulous friend Judy Gold has been the chosen guest host. Right. So, well, the the key is you'll laugh your ass off with Judy Gold, that's for sure. And uh, you know, the New York Times calls me the most underappreciated comedic gem of New York. Wow! Now, you know that is the best Jewy underappreciated. Like, if you want a compliment and you're a Jew. You want it to be underappreciated because then you can be like, you don't even appreciate it. You know, yeah. it's it's perfect. It's the perfect but, Jewy. But... Did that get you any free schmear that, that mentioned in the New York Times? Did that... No, no. no. But where you are, where you do need to complain is why just in New York? I know. Come on. Well, because uh, it was for, uh, because it was the New York Times. I know, I know. But we'll take it. That is pretty sweet. (laughs) It makes it even worse when it's your hometown. You know what I'm saying? Right. But they underappreciated shows. They know you're brilliant. And (laughs) they said, and that had this, right. And I'm a gem. And this business is shit. It's shit. It's a tough business, but you have done something with it. We're going to find out much more about that. Coming up on the show, of course, we're uh, we're going to have a, our salute to Tina Fey. As usual, we're going to have another celebrity <laughs> moment with Dresden. And uh, who knows? Maybe we'll put Judy on the spot and see if she's got one to share. Yes, and yes, then, yes, of yes, course, yes, we will yes, play yes, an improv game, another uh, installment of Yum or Yuck from Elsie. And then, of course, it's going to be all about Judy Gold and what we don't know about her. We will soon learn. But first, a quick, quick, quick question for Dresden. Dresden, I noticed the three goats you brought in the room with you. And my 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 question is, given one of your laughs, uh, I was wondering if that was causing any confusion in the room with the three goats. Well, it is. It is. Because we're all vying for the farmer's attention. But luckily... I had already met him on Ashley Madison, so I'm oh, good. I'm, bum. I'm, you know, I'm winning. <laughs> <laughs> and that's enough of that. So, Elsie, tell me to start the show. Start the show. From the Mouth Media Network Studios in New York City, this is Funny People Talking with Mark Rago, Dresden Engel, and Elsie. We are here with funny people talking. It's Dresden, Elsie, and me, and the great, the infamous, the accomplished, the hilarious Judy Gold. Judy, thank you again for being with us. And by the way, uh, to her credit, and maybe I shouldn't say this because I know I should paint a, she's much more booked and in demand, but somehow, someway on fairly short notice, only a few days in advance, we got real lucky with a hole in Judy's schedule. And I don't know if that's pandemic caused or what, but we got lucky. No, it's because all my years in Catholic school, God owed me a good Jew. It all came down to this moment. Judy, (laughs) Judy, all All of that, all that guilt, just, she just, just cashed it in for this yes. this slot. I cashed yeah, it exactly. in for Jewish guilt. That's it. Yeah. Because uh, Jesus was a good Jew, so he's throwing <laughs> yeah. me a bone. Throwing uh, me a bone. Before we get started, a little housekeeping, get out of the way. Of course, our salute, our appeal to the comedy gods. It's a long story, Judy, but uh, there are some reasons behind why we pray for a moment with Tina Fey. At some point, a drive-by, a postcard, a voicemail, time on the show. It doesn't matter. I've had like five near misses with her over time, and uh, it would just be a nice closing of the circle. She's a very nice person. Very nice. I believe this. And her husband's a doll. Is she in your phone? Is she in your phone? 
She is not in my okay. phone. Okay, well, it was worth I'm a shot. Joking. Thanks, Trez. Um, no, my cl- no, my closest to Tina was the local library. Does book readings, and they assigned me. <laughs> Bossy Tina Facebook. Oh, oh, Bossy yeah. Pants. <laughs> Bossy so, Pants. Uh, you know, it was a beautiful thing. So that's my, that's my closest. Fantastic. Uh, as opposed to uh, the uh, biography of a great dancer, Fossy Pants. So uh, anyway. Oh my God. I got, I, do I really have to put up with no. this for a fucking hour? No. Okay. Fossy Pants. <laughs> Sorry, that was terrible. Okay. Uh, well, the only it reason I said that, by the way, is I legitimately thought that's what Dresden said and realized it was Bossy Pants. Um, I love it. All right, so we got to pray to Tina. Uh, so yeah, real quick, the gods just, of Tina. Fett. That's it, uh, Tina. Please come on the show. That's all we ask. Just Tina, to the gods. Tina, 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 ah, Tina, Tina, please bless us Tina, with your time. Tina, we love you. Tina, Amen. Tina, and scene. Thank you. Uh, so uh, let's start with Yummer Yuck real quick. So just to give you an idea, Judy, uh, we used to have a segment on the show pre-pandemic, end of show food. Uh, Elsie would bring us all something she's found somewhere in the world. We would all taste it and rate it on what we call, call a scale of chickens, actually. And uh, it's like a rating scale, but we use chickens for whatever reason, the number of chickens. Okay. Uh, but given the pandemic, we it's hard to get everyone the same food since it may be hard to find. So we have now have a new feature called Yum or Yuck. And Elsie just basically goes through the same process and tells her what her reaction is as we all just sit here mindlessly minding our own business. So, Elsie, yeah. what do you have for us for Yummer Yuck today? She loves bacon, she's cantankerous, and her cat's in a jazz band. She's the producer, it's Elsie. Here we've got, I'm holding it up so you guys can see it. It's uh, called a farm roll. Oh, I love that you showed This is from Thailand. And uh, it says fried shrimp with salad cream flavor. So, so you have Judy Gold on the show, just, show doesn't and that you sound choose shrimp? Wait, so it's no fried shellfish. shrimp and what? There's a picture of what it's supposed to be. It's fried shrimp with salad cream flavor. Yeah. So aren't you that happy we're natural. not making salad cream flavor? Yeah, that aren't you glad natural. we're not making you try it? <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck is salad cream flavor anyway? All right, well, let's see. I'll show you. Here we have the roll. This, oh my gosh. What is that? Is that it's like, like a giant. Is that like, like fruit roll up, sort of? It's seaweed around a cracker kind of a thing looking. Like, you know, those shrimp crackers that they have in Chinatown. Anyway, I'm going to eat this. One, two, three, go. I'm disgusted just watching that. How is it, Elsie? It's very fishy. Very fishy. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I think so the cream may thing, or may not last the full show. That the cream yeah, thing that is cream. going on is um it does have some kind of like fake dairy sour cream something something going on in here. Oh, okay, I can't. I can't. I can't. But yeah. anyway, so there's what the inside looks like. Ew. That's disgusting. Mm. Uh, <laughs> are you going to take another bite? No. Um if so okay. it's not a yum, it's a... So what's your scale? It's yeah, not scale It's not the most vile thing that I've ever eaten. So I'm going to say it's a yumk. It's a yumk. A yumk. <laughs> and um, out of 70... Not committing. Out of 72 chickens, I'm going to give it like uh, 40. 40. Okay, very 40 good. Works. So it's a yumk. Very good. All right, thank you, Elsie. You're welcome. Thank you so much. Wow. And let's move my on cat's real quick eat it. to... A celebrity moment, Dresden's Moments. And now, it's time for Dresden Moments. And Dresden, uh, (laughs) every time I ask you, I am amazed at the bottomless pit of celebrity... Pit probably the wrong word, but it's I'm sorry, it's a, you meant to say it's a deep well trove? Trevor Trove. Trevor <laughs> Trove of, of yes, celebrity yes, interactions yes. and stories that you have. And mm-hmm. I don't want to put you on the spot. I will not put you on the spot, Judy, as if you could be put on the spot. But okay. uh I would invite you with great respect and appreciation if you decide after hearing Dresden's if you wish to share one of your own. And that's up to you. Uh, Dresden, what celebrity moment have you elected to share with us today? I appreciate that. I will will just sum up my previous ones that I've done thus far in season two, just so Judy can be thinking about where we're going with this. And someone's mowing a lawn near me, so sorry if you hear that. Fantastic. I uh, discussed licking whipped cream off Barry Williams, Greg Brady's nipples in front of an audience. 
It was a comedy performance and surprised him with it. And the other one was I flossed Faye Ray's teeth before right. she did a press right. conference for me. Faye Ray, King Kong, 1933. She was ni- she, right? how old? she was 93 at the time, right? She was 93 when I did it. Why were you flossing her teeth? I'll tell you since you've asked. Thank you. Um, she was about to do a press interview and she said, but I just ate a spinach salad and my I'm not comfortable doing that. And the lighting wasn't good. So I had the honors. But who else can say that, right? I'm so lucky. Okay, so so this one involves um, my work as a uh, publicist for a uh, international film museum, and it was the 40th anniversary of Willy Wonka, the only one that matters, 1971, with our um, amazing actor Gene Wilder, and the little boy who played Charlie. His name is Doctor Peter Oster. He's a veterinarian. Yes, he is. He's a large animal veterinarian. Mm-hmm. And he came to the museum and we discussed the film and I got to interview him on stage and everything was fabulous. And the next day when I was editing the video, I realized that I maybe had worn the wrong thing for the video involving Willy Wonka. And that outfit happened to be a bright blue dress. And I'm not a small girl. Mm-hmm. Oh. So somebody said to me, but I thought you did that on purpose. So literally it looked like Violet was a guard. Yeah. yeah. Oh. So you even know the name. Oh. So, but he was, he's a dream of a human. It was the only film he ever made. And it's really the only Willy Wonka story that matters because that Johnny Depp one doesn't matter. That's right. <laughs> so I like what you do with the food there. We had whipped cream. Uh, you had spinach salad, and then, of course, you had blueberries. Yeah, the everlasting gobstopper. And chocolate. That's right, and chocolate. So much chocolate. Exactly. Mm-mm-mm-mm. And we got to find out that almost everything everything on that set that those kids ran and ate was real food, except for the wax cup that Gene Wilder eats. <laughs> oh, but I'll just stop with the movie trivia now. We have Judy Gold here, as in golden egg. She's our golden egg. Golden Judy, ticket. we're not live, so if you're not up for this, that's fine. But I want to ask you, you know, you've you've had and continue to have a remarkable and well-earned, illustrious career that has allowed you to interact with many people of note, yourself included, obviously, but many mm-hmm. other people of note. Is there any story about any of the interactions that you've had with them that might be fun to share? Oh, my God. I don't know. Like... <laughs> What what do you want me to say? Like, uh, you know, the time that you and Sandra Bernard and Madonna went into a treehouse and took acid together. Everyone knows about that already. Okay. Um, <laughs> and scene. Exactly. Why go on? I mean, that Why is go so on? Boring. Uh, what's this? Oh, here's a good one. Well, now that you mentioned Madonna. So um, when Lourdes Lourdes was born, right, her daughter, and my son Henry was born right around the same time. They had the same due date. And so then she, Madonna was doing the Rosie show and everyone thought she was bringing Lourdes and it was in the news. She's bringing Lourdes, Lourdes, Lourdes. I guess Lourdes was like five weeks old, four weeks old. So the producer says to me, the executive producer, everyone thinks, you know, Madonna's bringing Lourdes. Can we use Henry as a prop baby? That's my oldest son. Uh-huh. And Madonna will bring him out, you know, and then we'll tell the audience it's not really. All right. So we said yes. And the paparazzi, it was ridiculous. They really thought that. They thought my ex was the nanny because <laughs> she brought him in. I had already been at work. And they come to 30 Rock. The paparazzi are like trying to get in the, it was like ridiculous. And then we're in the green room before with Madonna and she's going to bring out the baby in the place. You know, of course they went fucking crazy, but you know, they, it was all planned out. They were going to bring out the baby place is going to go crazy. And then Rosie's going to be like, Oh my God, baby's so cute, but it's not yours, which is what happened. But so we get to the right before we give Henry to Madonna and I say, he really loves when you sing to him because he does. 
And she starts singing to him and he starts bawling. <laughs> and I was like, well, they, when I sing to him, when I sing to him. But yeah. Is that online? Oh, I'm sure it is. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Oh. oh, my gosh. All right. That is fantastic. Uh, everyone go to www.judygoldrecord.com and we'll, you know, find that moment. No. Damn it. I'm going to buy that URL just to actually aim to if that's online. So. All right. Thank you very much for uh, indulging us there, Judy. Yeah, no worries. Uh, we'll take a quick break. When we come back, it's an improv game. We're going to play one of our favorites, one I think Judy will really enjoy, and then it'll be all about Judy Gold right after that. A pandemic. Fires. Locusts. Explosions. Riots. And season two of Funny People Talking. So, you know, 2020. This is Funny People Talking. All right, Judy, uh, on every show we play an improv game, and one of our favorites on the show is one that uh, we call What If... I'm sure there's many versions of it out there. Basically, the idea is we start with a premise for a pitch. It can be for a TV show or a movie or an advertising campaign. And it starts with a very normal pitch, whatever that is. Though there's a pitcher and a receiver, basically. And the receiver generally, as often happens in Hollywood, they like pieces of the pitch, but they always like to put their spin on it. And by the end of it, it's never the same thing in the end. Almost like a game of telephone. So the idea is uh, I might pitch to you a certain pitch, and you say, well, you know, uh, I do like this part of it, and I love that part of it, and it definitely should star Johnny Depp, but what if instead of Dolphins it was a football team, and what about instead of this it was this and this, okay. and then the other person's like, well, you know what? I love that, everything about that perfect, except what if we change this, and by the end it's okay. not the same thing, and okay. there just comes a point when you agree that that's the final product, okay. and that's when you know the scene is over, okay? okay. So uh, we'll play this in two rounds since there's four people. Since Elsie and I have played this before, Elsie and I will do it, and then Dresden, you and Judy can do it, and you can decide who's pitching and who's receiving. Okay. Uh, so, Elsie, do you want to pitch or or, or receive? I'll pitch. Uh, Judy, what kind of a pitch should it be? TV, movie, or advertising campaign? Uh, I'm going to go advertising campaign. Advertising campaign. All right. Uh, go ahead, Elsie. I'll take the pitch. And now... An improvisational comedy game with What If. All right, um, so I have this new invention, and I want to do an ad campaign about it. It's a, an award buffer. It's so you can polish your Emmys, your Tonys, your Oscars, your whatever you want. <laughs> okay. It's going to have, like, sparkles okay. and shiny things and a jingle. It's going to be good. Okay, I love it. I love it. Uh, I love it. Definitely, you know, if you've won an award, you should want to polish it and show it off. Yeah. And I love the idea of a jingle. But what if instead, just just hear me out on this, what if instead of a buffer, it was more of an actual person you can rent out who would buff your award? So it's like a live <laughs> actual person service, kind of a VIP white glove treatment. And instead of a, a jingle... What if we had some sort of pageant where you could show off these people and then people could kind of almost like a bachelor uh, auction and you could, you know, essentially pick one of these people. And I think we should hold it at a rodeo. What do you think? All right. So I don't like the bachelor idea. I think we should do like a rent a kid because, you know, (laughs) and um, and a rodeo is going to have a lot of dust. So, I mean, that that is potential to be buffing an awful lot. And clean, you know, <laughs> make a lot of money. So the rodeo is a good idea because, you know, ka Yeah, so I'm changing it. I'm changing it. We're, we're doing Rent-A-Kid. But we're not calling it Rent-A-Kid. We've got to make it around the award somehow. So kids clean, um, adolescent award, ac- I don't know, something, something. What's, what, acc- where are we going yeah. with the title? Where are we going with that? Well, I think I love this idea, but I think instead of rent, since we're going along, just just indulge me here. What if instead of kids, we had miniature clowns? Maybe we could even find some little people and they can just be miniature clowns. So we still go with the small sizes. So if you already had any costuming or wardrobe picked out, we won't waste that. And uh, I think it still fits in with the rodeo idea. 
And I think uh, we'll partner with vacuum cleaner company. And I think we can just kind of do two for one. What do you think? Vacuums. I think your idea sucks. Get it? Okay. Yeah. But a bing. All right. Well, that was the strangest round of what if I've ever played, but uh, uh-huh. I think I think you've got at least the schematic on that. So uh, yes. I'm Thank sure it'll be much showing. better with the two of you. All right. Uh, so have some fun. So uh, who's pitching? Who's receiving? I'll I'll let Judy make that call. I'll receive. Okay. okay. I'd love for you to pitch a uh, br- a period drama movie. Hey, Judy, I have this brilliant idea. I I really think we should work together on this. Uh, I have this idea for a film. Um, Mm -hmm. We know Christmas Hallmark shows are all the rage, right? So what if we take it out of 2020, where it's the same story over and over and over again, and we bring it back, say, to the... Maybe the colonial period mm-hmm. where, um, you know, we're not going to expect there to always be that woman who leaves the small, the big city to go to the small town because there's always only a small town. Costumes. I'd like to hear your thoughts on costumes because we still want people to tune in for the attractive people. What are your thoughts? Well, I think that. You know, I like the idea that it's around Christmas time. I think, you know, not being in 2020 is great, but I think maybe we should do it around the Spanish flu. Oh. And I think that costume-wise, we'll be doing masks. And... um, No one is allowed to be near each other. So, you know, probably like one camera because we'll never see more than one person at a time. (laughs) Single camera period piece. I love it. Um, (laughs) And, you know, Santa has to shave his beard because the virus lives in (laughs) facial hair. (laughs) But in the end, you know, it's still Christmas. And the Jews down the street, their house burns down from the menorah. (laughs) All right. All right. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to throw some other stuff back okay, at you. Okay. Um, how about we just bring it back to 2020? Cuz if we're talking the Spanish flu, we might right. as well go corona and celebrate it. And how about we do something that the Hallmark Channel has never done and actually have some Jews in the lead role? So it's a Hallmark Christmas, the first time Hallmark TV is going to be a Hallmark Christmas movie, but it's Jews. All right, that's that, all... with masks. Oh no. Okay, I'm gonna say we do the Hallmark movie starring Jews, but the Hallmark only Christmas movie, right? But the only Christmas songs you're allowed to use are the ones that are not written by Jews, which means that there would are be none. zero. So there are none. that's what so, I say. So we can't have. Neil Diamond and Barbara Streisand singing. No, White Christmas. White Christmas. All of those. Um, Everything a Jew wrote. All the uh, Christmas songs. Are all the Christmas songs Jews wrote, which <laughs> is pretty much all that we cannot use. And then I, I yeah. I and that's it. Yeah. And then all yeah. these blonde, blue-eyed Aryans. Yes. Are lighting menorahs in the corner. I think that is brilliant. Okay, thank you. And and yeah, let's do it. Let's go right right now and pitch. Beautiful. Beautiful. What's the the title of of this? What's what's the title? Um, Um, Jewing All the Way instead of Jingle All the Way or. A Very Jewy Christmas. A Very Jewy. You're right. Hallmark. I like it. Hallmark would. Because that would give them more advertisers, I think. Yeah. A Very Jewy Christmas. Mm-hmm. Okay. I like it. I like it. Thank very you. good. Congratulations. Judy, thank very you. Good. Thank you very much. Thanks very for fun. playing along. All right. A quick break. And right after this, all about Judy Gold. Nothing else. Woo-hoo. Be right back. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Funny People Talking and Elsie at Elsie the Producer. And please, for the love of all that is holy, 
subscribe to the show and leave us a damn review and a really, really good rating on iTunes. Pretty please? Thank you. All right, before we get into Judy Gold, a reminder to uh, kindly, kindly go out and make sure you get Judy's book. Yes, I can say that. When they come for the comedians, we're all in trouble. It's a red book with uh, yellow and white writing on it, just in case that helps. Or you can go to judygold.com and find it. I cannot, cannot wait to read it. I love the image of the microphone being slammed down to the ground with great force. Mm-hmm. Yes. Judy can speak to her book a lot better than I can, but I'm just going to say, Mark, you don't even have to head out. Like you said, it's on the Amazons. And there's an audio book. That's what I was going to say. Thank goodness. I did the twofer. I bought the Kindle with the audio book. So to hear you reading your own book, I have enjoyed more than I can tell you. You know, so many... Thank you. So many people really do love the audiobook. It was mentioned in the New York Times book review too. So fabulous. But it's true. I mean, I wrote the book in my voice, but I guess hearing me, I I couldn't just, I would say lower the volume. That's hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's hilarious. But there's a message. There's a message in the book about where we are right now with comedy. Yes, we want to be PC. We want to respect one another, but I know it is causing uh, challenges for some comedians. And I think this is the first book to come right out and say, boy, when they come for the comedians, we're in trouble. Yeah. Well, because, you know, once you start silencing humorous satirists, yeah, that's the end of free speech because we tell the truth. We are the truth mm. tellers. And a great joke makes you laugh, but it also makes you think. Oh yeah. And you look at a world without humor, a world without laughter. I mean, there is no world. And mm. speaking of orange fuckface, you know, he has no sense of humor. I love he, that segue. That was a beautiful segue. Speaking but, of airplanes. But yeah. he has no, we have a, a president with no sense of humor. Someone who cannot attend the White House Correspondence Center, who they have banned, they don't even have comedians at the White House Correspondence Center. He has called for an investigation into Saturday Night Live. What? I didn't hear you know, that. Wow. I mean, he, he talked about, no, I'm just saying, you know, on Twitter, oh, oh, he's oh. like, they should investigate oh. them. Got it. You got know, it. Yes, 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 yes. The fact is that, that comedy is a unifier. It is, it brings people together. It teaches people things. You know, I have a chapter that talks about comics with disabilities and how they yeah. get on stage and break the stigma. But, you know, comedy is also a weapon. It's a powerful weapon. And when you have no sense of humor and you take yourself so seriously, that weapon is more powerful than anything. I mean, what we've done is we've decided that words, words are bad, no matter how you use the certain words. Um, and, and also people have stopped taking the intent of the comedian into consideration, the nuances, the context of the joke. You know, if you murdered someone and you went on trial for homicide, your sentence is determined by your intent. What were you thinking? And yet we don't give the same consideration to a comedian. We decide they said a word that we don't like and we're not going to listen to the rest of the the joke. We're not going to listen to the full thought. And we're holding comedians to a higher standard than we do people who make laws. I mean, you're vilifying comedians and canceling comedians because they said something you find offensive, which by the way, if you go to a comedy club or listen to comedy and you're upset that you got offended, that's like going to a, a, an amusement park, getting on a roller coaster and being <laughs> upset that you got scared. I mean, it's just cut the shit, you know? Excellent analogy. When do you feel that that obviously extremely passionate about it and you've gotten progressively frustrated over how many years I don't necessarily want to say 2016 things started no when would you say that you felt that comedians had to watch their words extra carefully well I think it's I mean it's been going on a while it's gotten really bad since orange fuckface became president because every president no matter who and no matter what side of political leanings you you have no it doesn't matter every president has been fodder for comedians no matter what right and all of a sudden this 
fuckface comes along, not only can he not take a joke, his supporters cannot take a joke about him. You know, look, I, I'm a Democrat, shocking, and I had plenty of Clinton jokes, okay? He was a gold mine for comedians. George W. Bush, the other Bush, you know, Reagan. I mean, everyone, Obama, they were all, you know, we all made fun of them. And yet all of a sudden there's this fuck face who starts this cult and you do a Trump show, even if it's, it's benign, if it's about his fucking hair or his skin, whatever, they will not laugh for the rest. That's it. They're done. They have decided that, you know, no, and that's never happened before. When I go on stage, when the um, MC or the host hands off the mic and we have, you know, comics always have an, a little interaction when one's handing off the mic to the next. And it's, you know, we'll whisper and be like, you know, oh, you're an asshole. Oh my God. You know, whatever. We whisper <laughs> stupid shit in each other's ears. And it's become now be careful of the Trump supporter in the third row. You Holy know, crow. that is... They're vocal. Wow. That's fascinating. I'll be in the middle of a laugh and a Trump supporter will scream out. And I basically tell them now, look, uh, well, I open the show, my show now with, if you are a Trump supporter, you're going to hate the show. So bye. And if you're easily offended, too fucking bad, basically. But it's never been like this. It's never been, you know, you support this, you know, ideology or this politician so I can't laugh at anything you say. It's interesting because that's actually weirdly, I think it's being undertaken under the assumption that's a position of strength, but it's actually a reflection of great weakness. Oh, please. The strength is in the ability to take a shot. And right. it's so interesting. I have a question for you, Judy. Uh, when, if at all, have you gone through a transformation from, let's say, being a comic to being a wielder of humor. Well, I am a comic. I mean, like, of course I eat, breathe. I mean, like I can't wait to get on stage. It's all I do. I mean, I'm here in Provincetown. I'm doing shows twice a week outside. Oh, how lucky are they? Yeah. See, yeah. and cool. amazing. Cool. Amazing. You know, I've done the zoom shows. They're not as, yeah. I just feel like I feel sad about it. You know, like mm -hmm. that, that, that the most, edgy subversive comics saying oh do you think i'm gonna get in trouble for this and i'm like you you're worried about this mm. the fact that you look that we do evolve i mean people evolve and things aren't as funny because things have different meanings i'm not gonna say that that doesn't happen right you know like uh don rickles would never make it today but mm. in his time you know if you went back and you were sitting there you were begging to be mocked by Don Rickles because he had this caustic warmth and he basically was like, you're this, you're that, we're all the same. And everyone knew that's what his intent was and that's where he came from. Now, a lot of the vocabulary he used is not okay now. And that's okay because he was fine for his time. His time. But yep. this idea where the, the whole book came about because I did a piece for HBO's Vice News about college bookers telling comedians what they can and cannot say on stage and these kids because they are kids were saying you know we need to protect the students so they don't feel uncomfortable where the fuck did this idea that no one can feel uncomfortable come from what the fuck is that that is not reality it's like not this I, this whole thing about everyone getting a trophy like you get a trophy because yeah. you won the race <laughs> And you broke the record and you get a trophy for smiling while he did it. No, that's not the way the world fucking works. Sorry. What's this protection from oh ever gosh. feel having a bad feeling? No, every safe space has a door to the real world. Okay. I don't understand it, you know, yeah. and it's really upsetting to work all these years. And, you know, also writing the book made me even more passionate about it because you see what the Lenny Bruce's, the Richard Pryor's, the George Carlin, the Joan Rivers, the, it's these people really sacrificed a lot so that we could say whatever we want on stage. The Smothers Brothers, Amen. there's a whole chapter about the oh, Smothers yeah. Brothers. Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. what they went through 
for us to get to this point, and now you're telling me, no, that's offensive. First of all, if I want to do a joke about the AIDS crisis, I can because I lived through it. So don't tell me that that's not a topic I can't talk about, you know? And this is what's happening. These young kids are saying, no, we we can't talk about that. Well, you know what? When you have no discourse, there's no growth. So stop Mm. shutting people down. So Judy, kind of interesting to hear you talk about this, you know, this this whole next generation of comedians coming up in the ranks, if you will, in this moment, facing this different set of challenges or or perhaps a new generation of these types of challenges. My question is, you know, you wrote this book and I'm sure that you have something to say to comedians that you run into who are, are younger that are looking for you know, that insight from you. But how are you seeing, if at all, the seasoned comedians that are out there, how are you seeing evidence of them trying to show, to pave the way in this moment for that next generation? Well, I think all we can do is do our work as best as we can. But there is sort of an arrogance in this idea that this word is politically incorrect this is not, you're not allowed to say this. There's a little bit of an arrogance. Who, who the fuck are you? If you don't like my jokes, then don't listen to me. If, you know, it's like, turn the <laughs> channel, turn off the radio. If you don't like a song on the radio, you change the station. You don't ever, you don't say that person should never write another song or never sing another song. But that's what happens with comedians. The, the younger generation Look, you become a better comic the more life experience you have Mm -hmm. and the less fearful you are. I mean, like, I could give a shit at this point. I mean, like, there's nothing I haven't heard. You're not going to humiliate me. I've been humiliated over and over. I've heard every nasty fucking... It's just like, I don't care, you know? I, I am funny, I know, and this is what I do. And I really do believe you need life experience to be a great comic. You need a point of view. You also need to get on stage all the time, but you do need to respect what came before you. And I feel that sometimes there's a lack of that reverence for the past and the people who paved the way for you and the being judgmental, the be, you know, it's just, it's, and think of the topics that some of these people talk about, you know, they, they don't want to talk about, race or homophobia or anti-Semitism, you know, or anything, but they want to talk about porn. I mean, hello? That's, I I just, I don't know. I just, it's so, it's so. Is it lazy? Is it lazy? I think that there are some lazy comics. And I think that, and there's also this, you think about the business. People have been doing stand-up for 30 years, put in for a weekend, you know, or are trying to get gigs. They have an agent getting them, you know, weekend gigs because that's the only way you make money is you work on the weekends. And and yet uh, someone who's went on YouTube and had a viral video who did a five-minute thing that who was really funny and his video went viral will get that weekend because he has way more followers than the seasoned comic. And those people will come to a comedy club and see someone who's not prepared to headline Mm -hmm. and maybe they won't go back to another comedy club. Who knows? And work a crowd. They don't know how to work a crowd. Oh, it's, you can't, the only way to get better at being a standup is doing it. That's it. Or, so I have a question for you as far as, okay, there's Santa Claus school, there's clown school, right? There's school for, but there's, other than Second City, there's really not comedy school. You... I've seen on your website, you offer coaching and training for a variety of different things. Well, so no, do I feel- do. No, I, you can't learn funny. You can't, right, right. but a but lot of people do. Craft. Well, people do take class. There's a lot of classes in Manhattan. I mean, I guess online now where you, people help you put an act together. You learn how to write a joke. You know, I actually teach people how to write one person shows because I've done two cool. off Broadway, one person shows. And that's what I teach. 
And yes, I will help people punch up material and, you know, executives are writing a speech for, you know, I do a lot of the punch up kind of stuff. So, but I just definitely want to. You can't learn funny. No, you're either funny or you're not funny. You know, you talk about the only way to do it and the only way to get better is to do it. And, you know, over time, your, your comedy has developed, obviously. How has this current environment, if at all, informed your comedy, shaped or changed your comedy? Has it made you sort of press harder and say, fuck you all, I'm going to go to the wall? Or is it just like, no, I just don't get, I'm just on my track, I'm doing my thing, and that's it. Like, how is it affected? Well, I, uh, um, I think it's a combination, more of the first. You know, look, I believe you can make a joke about any topic, but you better make it funny. Any subversive yeah. topic you can joke about, but it better be a fucking brilliant, funny joke. Okay. So that's number one. Yeah. Number two is how has it changed my comedy? I am now vocal, very vocal about any time the audience goes, (gasps) 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 you know, I am like, are you fucking like, I literally (laughs) am like, are you serious? We're in a fucking, we're at a comedy show. Okay. What is, I mean, So it's really made me more outspoken about the ridiculousness of the fact that a comedian's goal when they get on stage is to make you laugh. That's it. And, you know, it's hit or miss, guys. It's the only art form that needs an audience. We, you inform us. Like, I could be sitting here all day, can't wait to get on stage to do a bit. I think it's the funniest thing. And then I get on stage and everyone's like, "Eh." and I'm like, what the fuck? I was so excited all day. But that's that's the nature of... This art form, a painter doesn't paint like a tenth of a painting and then bring an audience in to say, all right, what do you guys think? Should I put the tree here? Or no. But, but that's you know, what we do. We need you. We need no. you. So don't fucking vilify us for going over the line when a lot of the time we don't know where the line is until sure. we've crossed it. We don't know when, we don't know what, how far to go that way or this way. And great comedians live on the line. So how much yeah. do you think it's the audience's job to come ready to participate and to laugh? Because I know a lot of people, they show up at a comedy show, honestly, and they go, okay, make us laugh, which I know is horrible. Well, I, you know, I do, as someone who's done theater and people always ask, what's the difference between theater and stand up? You know, in a theater, the audience, has paid a little more money and you have their attention in a theater. You have to keep their attention in a comedy club. You have to get their attention and Mm -hmm. it's more of a battle. And I feel that I love doing theater. I love theater. I mean, it's just so much more civilized, you know, in a comedy club, (sighs) people are drinking. There's a blender going off. This one's, you know, (laughs) going to the bathroom. This one got in a fight. The check was dropped. You know, there's so much shit. And that's what makes us great comics is that we can deal with all of that. And it is our job to talk about the elephant in the room. So if you're afraid of the elephant in the room, don't go to a comedy club, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Looking back at your career and the many, many jokes that you've told over time, and I'm talking about stand-up in particular here. Right. Are there jokes that you look back at and you say, gosh, that just never worked. I tried it a hundred times and never worked, and I just had to decide it's it, funny in my head, oh, not yeah. funny in audiences. But then the times change, you look back and you say, I'm gonna pull that out and then it kills. Do you have experiences um, like that? Ev- yeah, every now and then. Uh, you know, when I'm when I'm having writer's block or I'm bored, I'll go into an old notebook and I'll look and I'll be like, oh, that was kind of funny. Let me try that. Yeah, that's something I do. And then there's also things I used to do that I would never do now. Right. Which is why when you go back 10, 15, 20 years and start canceling a comedian for something they said 20 years ago, it's like the fucking... You were you per, do you want to be the person you were 20 years ago? I mean, shut right. the fuck up. Right. It's like right. being in a bad relationship. It's like being in a relationship and the person brings up fights over and over again that you've resolved in therapy. You know, it's like yeah. we resolved this and we <laughs> yeah. moved on and you don't fucking stop. But yeah, that I do do that. I need to be in front of an audience to work sure. a bit out. You know, a lot of people yeah. can sit there and just recite their, I, I I will have an idea and I'll write it down and I'll have the punchline ready, but I have to formulate it on stage because I'm very conversational. 
Can you think of something that you would actually come up with? Because I realize a lot of it's conversational, but obviously there are bits that have occurred to you and you've written down over time. Can you think of something, Judy, that you just were so sure this thing was going to work? It was just going to kill. And it just seems to have never triggered. And you still, to this day, almost can't figure out why this hasn't worked. I'm sure there are, but I have to go in my notebook to think. And in my. Elisa is a, is upstairs napping, so she would know. No, I understand. Um, um, but spot. yeah, there's definitely or, or, or all conversely. the time, and there's things I do just for myself because I think yeah. they're fucking oh. funny. <laughs> and is I go, some... look, nice. yeah, I always I'll do stuff, and I'll be like, no one ever laughs at that, but I think it's funny, so I, I do it, it anyway. And and in, I love in the book in the back you've included answers to all the stupid questions. Well, many of the stupid questions you've gotten over the years. Oh, um, people talk to, to com- be yeah. lesbian themed. I don't know. I can read this one or maybe you just rattle it off. But this question is, are you planning on raising your children as homosexuals? And your answer is. Is you're reading it. Uh, yeah, okay, I, well, wait. Actually, yes. But they're only allowed to sing show tunes and we don't have any bedrooms in our, our apartment. So they'll be living in the closet for the first 18 years of their lives. Right. But I'm Well, it's just that here's the other thing. People talk to comedians way differently than they talk to other performers because we really are, we bear our souls on stage and people think they know you after a show. They'll come up to you and just start talking to you like you're their friend and they can tell you or they'll tell you a joke or my, my cousin's nephew's best friend is a stand it's like no no <laughs> no see there's no fourth wall in comedy and so people just it's just like you know i remember when i was a little girl and you know i love barbara streitzen because i'm a jewish girl from new jersey and so I remember reading something that she really doesn't like to hang out with the fans after the show. And I remember as a little girl going, that's terrible. I can't believe she doesn't. And now I know why (laughs) fucking shit people say to you. Well, finally you have COVID and a good excuse. Oh my God. The meet and (laughs) greets are done. It's the fucking best. It is. I'm telling you. Oh yeah, Did maybe. You hate your meeting. No, I don't. I like some people. I just can't stand. I know some of the. It's there's the obnoxious ones. Yes, I mean, the, when it. people come it's up that. to me yes. after a show and say, "Of course, I haven't laughed in God knows how long." Thank you. Or you know, my yes. husband just died, or I just found out I have cancer, and this is the first time. Though that is yes. the greatest gift to me. Yes. The. Uh, do you know so-and-so? Call People will te- be like, call me. I have a funny... Jo- no, I'm not calling you. Would you do my answering machine outgoing uh, message? Wait, here's the best one is... Um, that one is so annoying. Then there's the... Uh, wait, what's... Oh, fuck. Now it just fucking menopause. God damn it. <laughs> forgot. I forgot. That's the, name of, that's the name of her next book, ladies I swear and gentlemen. I was going to say that. Exactly. Damn <laughs> Wait, damn it. Has, they tell you, they people tell you that. a joke. Like, like yeah. I was getting off stage a couple of weeks ago. And like, I'm not, I'm walking by, you know, the stage is outside and the audience is 25 feet away. And for me to go inside, I have to walk past a, four chairs. <laughs> this guy gets up as I'm walking off the stage. He's like, yeah, you know, you should say at the end of this joke. He's like, and I was like, no, 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 no. Do I go to your job and tell you how to oh fucking gosh. fill a tooth? Shut the fuck up. Yep. Holy crap. Yep. Oh my God. I mean, that happens to me every time we finish a sketch comedy show. Somebody will say, oh, well, you know, maybe you should have done this. I'm like, maybe I'm, you should get on stage. I'm maybe still then you sweating should... from the show. Right. Really? Really? You think I want to hear that? Yeah. Why don't you get up there and do it, fuck face? Uh, fuck face. <laughs> I hate everyone. You... Judy, uh, so just you're faring a... well in COVID. That's yeah. that's right. <laughs> Good for you, <laughs> Judy. Uh, a mild pivot here, and that is there is in some ways something very different about writing jokes for yourself versus writing either writing else. jokes for someone else or producing something that someone else is delivering and you have to allow them to do it in their way. But you also have a view of what's going to work from your chair and your responsibility to make sure it works in your eyes. 
can very seriously, can you talk a little bit about how you've seen yourself make the shift from being in charge of how that humor gets delivered out of your own mind and helping someone execute what's in their mind? And how well, maybe no, there's you a have difference. to. Well, it's it's different because yeah, I when I write for me, I'm writing for me. When I'm writing for someone else, I am writing in their voice. Like you have to write in their voice, of course. And so when I wrote for Rosie, I I knew her sensibilities. I knew what she found funny, and I knew what you know. I ended up producing all the human interest segments, all the kids stuff, and I knew what was funny about the kids or what she would latch onto that she would get excited about. So you have to think in their voice and in their head. And that's just knowing the person. I mean, you could write general jokes, but you know, when you're writing for someone else, it's like you have to think in their voice and in their head. And that's just by knowing them and what their style is and what they find funny and what they want to avoid, you know? Wow. That makes sense. By the way, side note, my wife was actually a guest on Rosie's show. She was a makeover. She was a, ah, a, a, one good. of the makeover people. And on, uh, I think she was on with uh, Dame Judi Dench and oh, um, Penelope Cruz, if I remember correctly. Wow. Um, Very cool. Yeah. So anyway, just a factoid. That's great. What excites you right now when you write a joke? Are you able to connect Judy at all with how you know before you've even delivered to an audience that feeling you say, I think this joke is good. Like, is there a sense of a moment you feel or structure to it or a process you go through? I'm not saying what's your joke writing process. That's a that's an amateur question. But I'm sort of more interested in, do you have a sense of when you feel, you know, like if you swing a bat and you hit the ball right, there's just a sweet spot. Right. And you, you Before you even see where the ball goes, you just right. know you've hit it well and you get an idea of what's going to happen. So when you write that joke, you just already know it fits in the groove. Do you have a sense of that? And well, and I do. Have you seen when, a pattern? Well, you know, the greatest feeling is you are on stage and you're in it and it comes to your mind while you're, you know, a tagline yeah. or something like that just comes out. That is one of the greatest feelings ever. And then, I have a part of my notebook where I take notes after my set, like anything, anything new, or if I move something around or I could connect to ideas. Yeah. That is one of the greatest things. But when you write a bit and you get on stage and it kills, it's so exciting. And then you get to do it again and again. And so the key is to make it funny each time and they grow. These bits grow. You have an idea and then it grows and then you add something on and then, you know, but that, that is the greatest. I think a lot of when I'm in it and I'm, you know, the rhythm, it's so hard to do a rhythm outside, but it's very musical stand up. So, mm. you know, you could have a funny idea and you've crafted this joke and then there's one extra syllable that fucks it up. Or if oh, you say so a word earlier, you know, you say any word, ketchup, you say ketchup in a joke 10 minutes before. When you say ketchup again, if it's not going to have the same impact. So there's a musical rhythmic quality to it. And also that back and forth with the audience. And sometimes when you're hanging on a laugh and you say something like, well, you know, I blah, 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 you know, it just comes out that will eventually stay in your act. And th- those, those are the most yeah. exciting times when you go up with new ideas and they work and then you shape them with the audience. It's the greatest feeling ever. So you still, you still get fulfilled. You still get excited. Oh my God. I love it. Oh, I love hearing that. I love it. I, I love, love it. getting on stage. I still, Whoa. you know, like before the pandemic, I mean, I've been doing this since I'm 19 years old. I'm 57. So two years. I, oh, I was. Well, yeah. I still, I'm like, sometimes I'm, I'm like, I get on the subway at, you know, 9.30, 10 at night. And I like pinch myself like, oh my God, here I am, 57 with my notebook on the subway. (laughs) Like who knew that I would still be doing this? And I love it. I mean, look, I wish I had a lot of money and a sitcom, but you know, I didn't. But I still, you know, that's what the greatest thing about stand-up. Actors, you know, they don't have a gig, then that's the, you know, they can't work. Yeah. Judy, would you say you're in nirvana for yourself now or 
are you still growing up and you still have aims that are yet to be achieved for yourself? Or Nirvana? is this kind of where are you were you aiming? Fucking cra- what is the fuck kind of question is that? I meant, Am I, meant I in co- Nirvana? No, from a comic <laughs> standpoint. Are you in a... Are, no! What, are you I'm in not. the G-spot? What do you want me to say? <laughs> no, I mean, I feel like I have so much more I want to say and do. No, yeah. absolutely not. Joan Rivers was never more relevant than when she died at 82. She yeah. was on the pulse of ah. everything. I yeah. mean, come on. You know, they try to erase women over 50 as if we don't have, but we're the smartest. We have a lot to say. We have a lot yeah. to say. And I'm well, not, I no one's going to shut gonna, me up. I didn't mean No, are you I'm just saying, stop. no, I'm not was... in Nirvana. No. And if I was, I wouldn't be funny. <laughs> ah, ooh, okay. Fair yeah, enough. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Is there still something that you haven't done in your career yes. that you're aiming towards? No, I mean a very specific thing. Like Yes, I've always wanted to have I've always wanted to be on a really socially relevant television show. Like um West Wing or something, like like not that. Just kind of show, something like, where the character's fucking great, you know? Yeah. That's number one. I have not been able to get have a comedy special in ten years. Netflix said I don't fit the algorithm. Since I wow. turned, since about late wow. 40s, it's been a fucking shit show as far oh, so as. You're, there's no doubt in your mind. You you know that's what it is. Oh, I, my manager's been told, I've been told, oh, she's not our demographic. First of all, I never knew funny had a demographic. You know, no. like it's either you're funny or not fucking funny. And there's plenty of young people who find me funny. And plenty of old people who don't find me funny. So and there I've, you go. I've always thought comedy um, was the one thing that transcended no, that. No, no, uh, when you, First of all, it's tough for women in every profession, but it is a very misogynistic platform. I mean, it's, look, we you're in the position of power when you're up there doing stand-up and making an audience laugh. You're in control. Yeah. And we <laughs> equate control and power in this country with men, white men, unfortunately, and masculinity so you know there's that and there's yeah i have a lot i want to do yes i've always wanted a talk show i mean i have my podcast yeah. which i love yeah which um, is called which is called what judy uh kill me now ah kill me now with judy gold and i don't know i wrote this book so that was a that was a bucket list thing nice. um i was supposed to be starting rehearsal for a broadway show that i was cast in in september but that is not happening now oh i'm sorry to um, hear that. yeah so i mean look wow there's a lot i still want to do of course good well uh how can people find and connect with you and uh, obviously judygold.com and right judygold.com can- is where you can buy my book there's links to even if you're an indie person whatever there's all these links to get my book and my podcast and you know my albums and then yes i call them albums fuck you and then my social media <laughs> is at judy gold j-e-w-d-y-g-o-l-d because i'm a jew love it ah very good yeah very very good well of course the book of once again everybody please please go buy it or it's such a, i'm telling you i i wouldn't tell it's about and it, there's a lot of history in it and it's funny and it's you know cautionary tale well, aside from uh, laughing on the beach, Publishers Weekly, I see this right on judygold.com. Gold's defense of comedy filled with great jokes and stories of censored comics is a reminder that freedom of speech is no laughing matter, so says Publishers Weekly. That's a wonderful accolade. And, of course, the book is Judy Gold's Yes, I Can Say That. When they come for the comedians, excuse me, we are all in trouble. Buy it now. Check out Kill Me Now with Judy Gold. Awesome podcast. Follow at J-E-W-D Gold, <laughs> Judy Gold on social media. I just got to give one more plug for the book. If you yeah. if you love comedy, if you are a woman, if you are heterosexual or homosexual, the point is it's for everybody. But if you are a comedian, this is like a new Bible for you. It really helps yeah. you navigate where the world is right now. So I cannot recommend this book enough. Thank you. I thank you sincerely, thank Judy, you. for Beautiful. writing this book. Thank awesome. you. Well, uh, Elsie, anything to say to Judy Gold before she goes? I'm just thrilled you came here today. And I just uh, thank you. 
Thank oh, you so thank much. you. Yeah. I love the name Elsie, by thank the way. You. I had an Aunt Elsie. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Judy You're Gold. Welcome. Really, truly, from the bottom of my heart, we so appreciate you joining us. It's really no, 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 such a valuable you. thing to us in every way. Thank and, you. And uh, we wish you the best with all of the next things. Thank uh, you. And there will be many. Um, that's it for this truly memorable time capsule episode yeah. of Funny People Talking for my good friend Dresden. Who's ecstatic at the moment and That's so right. grateful. And Elsie. Thank you. <laughs> I'm Mark Rako. Have a great day, everybody. Please stay safe and well. And don't forget, stay funny. Stay funny. Keep laughing. That's it? That's the end of the show? Boy, oh boy, what a crock. This was Funny People Talking. No portion of the content may be reproduced or published without the strict written permission of the producers. Connect with our show at Funny People Talking or at our website, funnypeopletalking.com. I'm your announcer, Peter Coleman. Thanks for listening. This is Mouth Media Network. Amplify and connect.